Hey guys, I want to welcome you to the weekly Wednesday for the Financial Freedom Newsletter, where every week, every Wednesday, we delve into something inspirational, motivational, something excerpt taken from the Financial Freedom Weekly Newsletter. Wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify, on iTunes, Google, be sure to click the like, subscribe, share, comment. Without ado, let's get into the show. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everybody, to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, I talk about four pillars of freedom, time, financial, location, emotional freedom. And the audience started out with physicians. Now it's high-income earners, high-net-worth individuals, business owners, investors, entrepreneurs. Um, You know, we're all interested in real estate. So today... I have Case. Um, he's a um, investor in real estate. Uh, he's got a really unique background, and it's going to be a great discussion. And I'll let Case introduce himself. So, Case, welcome. Thank you, Chris. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, uh, it's so great to you know see so many people fascinated, passionate about real estate. Tell us about how you got started and go from there. Sure. Yeah. So I'm a uh, real estate investor. Um, I'd love to say I'm actually I'm, I'd love saying I'm not a full-time real estate investor. So I've uh, um, I've sort of scaled back a little bit, which is very exciting. Uh, but I run a flip team, and we flip 60 homes a year with a team of about eight administrative staff and 30 so uh, contractors. Um, so that's the majority of my job. We're stepping into some more creative elements of real estate, uh, short-term Airbnb. Uh, looking at larger commercial acquisitions and apartment complexes, uh, but yeah, it's been a it's been about three or four years of uh, full time real estate investing. Uh, before that, I was a real estate agent, and I ran a real estate team. And I very quickly learned that it really wasn't for me. I felt like um, I was my easiest client to deal with, so I started firing my clients until I was the only one left. So that's sort of how I got started. As I I still am a real estate agent, still am a real estate broker. I'm in West Michigan, and uh, now all we do is flip homes, and I've got some side projects as well um, that are more fun than anything, but uh, real estate is, uh, um, as, as you know, Chris, moving from the medical profession to real estate, it's, uh, it's got a lot of, it's lucrative, it's fun, and it gives a lot more flexibility than a lot of other professions can offer. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, there's so many different topics we can go through, you know, business development, your mindset, so um what, what was really interesting is um, when talking to you and getting to know you was um, your lead generation machine and the importance of tracking lead sources. Tell us about that. Yeah, that's it's challenging. So 
leads are something a lot of people ask. Like I've had a lot of um, a lot of friends, a lot of uh, fellow investors and podcast hosts say, "Hey, what, you know, where should I invest? What should I invest in? And what lead sources should I use?" And it's really hard to know, and there's not a great answer. So I'm in I'm in West Michigan, and our tracking are, is so obsessively detailed that we will turn leads on and off season to season. Uh, we know every quarter we go through, we'll drop our lowest performing leads. So we do everything. So everyone's like, okay, tell, you know, talk to me what sort of leads are you using. We've done everything from radio to Google PPC, agent referrals, postcards, retargeting. And we've done literally everything you can do. Text blast. And it's, it's every area is different and every investor is different. So Chris, if you're a, if you're a uh, investor with a lot of time, and not a lot of money, I'd give you a very different lead source than if you had no time and a lot of money. Um, and then also, if you know some regions, postcards work great, and others they don't work at all because it's completely saturated. And so ROI tracking is really important, and having that ability to identify and turn on and off leads is extremely important. So we've built sort of a, a system over the last four or five years. So I am. Um, kind of like the, the CEO or operations manager. Um, I have a sales manager, a transaction coordinator. And so as we do every property we sell, we track um, expenses, profit, predicted rent, revenue. Um, we know where our shortcomings are and what lead source it came from. So we have the, a very deep, is this, a, let me ask, how do you publish this? I'm happy to actually kind of show you what things look like if you want to. Oh, it's uh, published on YouTube, podcast, Spotify, Okay, maybe what we'll do is I'll see if I can get like an example link for your uh, for your audience. But we are incredibly detailed with our tracking, and the key is, Chris, you can't track your notes. I can't track it, right? So we have to have our administrative staff do it because it takes way too long. But the difference between something that produces a four or five ROI and something that's ten means that we may turn it off or keep it on. And if you don't track by phone numbers or email or know where it comes from. Um, you'll have no way of identifying what's profitable and what's not. Um, so all of that sort of base of profitability starts with creating a system. Um, so having a CRM, and this is going to go back to the very basics. So if you want to flip houses, if you want to acquire apartment complexes, if you want to look at um, maybe your doctors say, hey, I want to buy a, a large triple net industrial property. I can drop a million dollars into it. I want to go buy a $4 million building. The key is knowing who you're going to reach out to and having a CRM even if you're a doctor trying to go invest in, in knowing like what broker should I reach out to? Who do I have a good relationship with? And how can I aggressively identify a product that allows me to cost seg or, or 1031 is important, but you've got to build that CRM. So um, the, the next question is what CRM do we use? And I'm not even going to tell you which one I use because I think it's going to give you a bias, but the key I always have is the ability to track by status. Um, last contacted and tags, first of all. So very basic, almost everybody offers this. But then the next thing I want is I wanna be able to have an automatic text drip, voicemail drip and email drip. And if you can do those six things, it doesn't really matter what CRM you use. They're all fairly similar. There's some positives and drawbacks to others, but finding the CRM and creating sort of a, a follow-up system so that you're not doing the follow-up text is really important. So we actually have brokers inside we do a lot of agent outreach and we have conversations with outreach so this morning i had a, an agent call me say i got a tenant i can't move out 
I don't have a crew to renovate it. And I don't have the money to fix up property. And that all happened because we talked to him, you know, once a quarter. And so he, he's bringing us in on a Grand Rapids um, property. So I didn't have to do anything. He called me with a deal. But that's because this system is put in place where we have conversations with agents that call us. Um, so that's a long-winded answer to a very uh, generic or sort of broad question. But um, yeah, Chris, talk. let me know where, you're, where I should dive into that. Yeah. Um, well, I think, uh, you know, it's so important to, you know, put the proper systems in place and see where everything's coming from, measure ROIs and how much things are costing. Um, uh, the other thing is what's really interesting is uh, I found it interesting. So you, you're a real estate agent um, and then, uh, you know, you got into being a real estate investor and now you're sort of have this system where you're buying and selling houses. Uh, one thing I had question is what is your, what are your, principles and thoughts about how to replace yourself oh yeah that's a good question so my goal every year is to always fire myself so what i'm doing today i don't want to be doing 12 months from now um and i think i love my job right now and i think if i was doing it in 12 months i'd still be happy but i've also realized the ability to constantly identify the sort of five percent or ten percent of your job they're like oh you know i'd like to get rid of that so i could focus on this more it's very important so scaling with um first to automation and then second to employees is, is sort of the key that we've taken so i took a backwards approach when i started my real estate team i said i'm going to delegate to people and i sort of skipped the automation or systems first and so the goal we always have is to delegate to a system and have the employee run the system as opposed to give the employee the task, we give the system the task. And then the beauty is if employee A leaves, retires, it's, it's a lot easier to hand that system to a new employee. So we're processing. So the question is how to, how to replace yourself. Um, and I want to step backwards here a little bit first and say the the difference between having like a system and a person could mean three or four times more um, costs as an if you have a bunch of employees and if you have a bunch of software. So we have a program called Zapier. And so when leads come in, we send postcards um, to them. When leads come in, we do retargeting. When, re when leads come in, we call them and text them. And that's all because of Zapier in combination with our software uh, through the CRM. Yeah. So the key is, in my mind is as you get something, find a way to automate the technology. And if you can't automate it, then delegate it. And I think a lot of people first are like, oh, you know, I'm busy. I'm going to hire a VA and I'm going to let them figure it out. And I love that. That's great. But first, I think the key is to automate the process so that you turn eight hours of tasks into four and then hire a VA for it. And so that's sort of, that's what we do for everything. So my, my encouragement is always you know, find a way to automate your tasks, find a way to automate your partner's tasks. Uh, my employees, like our, I, I do my best to reward them for um, reducing their hours. So we always aim for 30 hours a week for our employees because I want them spending 10 hours a week making them work less. Um, because if you have them working 40 hours a week, they're never going to improve. They're never going to fix their systems. Uh, they'll never focus on how to be more efficient. And that just means you're going to hire more people. So I don't know if that's a great answer, but automate and then delegate is the focus I would have on, on just sort of constantly firing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the idea of trying to replace yourself every year is, is really an interesting concept and it really can take you, you know, 
especially towards time freedom. Um, yeah, and, and, and Chris, I I struggle a little bit. So my wife and I were talking because it's like, okay, what are we aiming for? You know, and I love the idea of working like five to 10 hours a week in the flip business. I'm probably 20 hours a week, 25 because I want to, but only 15 or 20 because I have to. And there is a point, and I don't know where it is for me, but there's a point where it's like, okay, I probably should stop trying to get rid of things. But every time I do get rid of it, I find like, oh, well, now I get to talk to investors. And now, you know, we, because we cash fund all of our flips and we go to doctors just like you and say, hey, you know, where do you put money for nine months that has a return? Now I have a bunch of conversations with investors that come in and partner with us. And I love that more than I do managing contractor crews. And I wouldn't have known that 12 months ago if I didn't delegate. So it is a question of like, what if I love my job? Should I still delegate it? And I don't have a great answer, but every time I've done it, I have liked where I've ended up more. <laughs> so it, it is, it's interesting to see. And like, I'm curious for you, what happened when you like, you know, yours is like sort of the ultimate form of delegation. Like I'm no longer going to be a doctor. I'm going to step into a real estate. I'm going to quit my job and just go do something else that I love. And that's, you know, it's, it's elimination more than maybe delegation, but um yeah, I mean, what, what's your perspective on when's enough is enough? Well, uh, you know, it's really interesting because, um, you know, you focus on your core competencies and um, really just focus on the things that really light you up or move the needle forward. And, you know, the rest is sort of um, building systems. So whether it's hiring people or using software um, or, um, you, you know, building teams, that's the, that's the key so that you can free up the time to focus on, you know, what you do best. So. Yeah. And, and so another, another thing I've learned, and this has taken me years to, to understand this is it's important not to teach someone something you don't know. And that's a really weird thing to say, but I'll give you an example. So I hired, um, I've got several Filipino VAs. They do a wonderful job. Like they're the best employees we have. And I hired a, a Filipino um, Google ad specialist. And so I'm like, okay, this is great. He knows what he's doing. I'm going to come in and hire him. And it was quickly apparent, especially because marketing is our number one expense after possibly salaries that any mistakes he made are incredibly expensive. You know, so a, a high, you know, if you mess up your click-through rate or you misbid something, it can be very expensive. And I don't know how to fix that. So we work hard in our team. If we don't, if we know how to do it, we train the person as a replacement, but Google PPC, I made a massive mistake. I'm tens of thousands of dollars of, of mistakes because I tried training a VA to run our PPC and I did like a mediocre job at best. And I trained him to do a mediocre job at best. And then at the moment we hired it out, we have a professional ad company now that's local. We decided it wasn't a good fit to work with him. And now we're our click-throughs higher, our cost per lead is lower, our ad budget is lower. We're not getting ridiculous leads. Um, and it all happens because I focused on training replacements for thing I act, for things I actually knew how to do. A lot of people try to hire things for the things they don't know how to do, and it's actually the wrong way. It's easier to learn it first and then hire, or just completely outsource it to somebody that already knows what they're doing. But that's a, a, sort of another key that I realized is train your replacement on something you already know. Otherwise it's going to be a big, big expensive mess. 
Yeah. Yeah, you, you've uh, you've touched on so many um ish, you know, pearls, gems, you know, hiring overseas and um hiring slow and paying your employees well. And um I wanna shift the focus, you know, of the end of the conversation is um particularly mindset, because I think you have a really interesting way of um viewing things and really very it's very practical and you know it's very it's uh, what I call smart smart thinking. So um one one is uh is uh how and when to pivot because you've you've done this whole thing and you and so what are your words of advice and wisdom? So most of your audience are, are probably people looking into being an investor. So I think if we look at that pivot, that may be the most value. And I pivot a lot. So, I'll, and I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. Um, the pivots I've made though, have been for two reasons. Um, one is to better fit with sort of my family values and my family goals. And the second is just to have a little more fun. Um, and so the pivots we've made have not been massive. You know, we're not doing 180 degree turn. We're doing, we're veering off course. So moving from a real estate team to a real estate investor is something that I already had the time and I had the knowledge for. I didn't have the money when I started, but I had the time and the knowledge. And that to me was a reasonable thing. So what I'm, I guess what I'm getting to is, it's, it's unwise probably for a doctor to say, well, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm just going to throw my hands up. I, I have some money, but I have no time and I have no knowledge. Um, you know, it's probably a, that would be a, a, a brass mistake to, to just throw your arms up and say, all right, I'm done. But making an educated choice and saying, okay, I've got, mo I've got money. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do a small project first and sort of tackle um, something in a way that's not dangerous, right? So if you're making a couple hundred grand a year as a doctor, say, I'm going to go throw uh, $200,000 into a 16 unit apartment complex or a small passive ownership, you can obtain some knowledge so that if your goal is full-time investment, you're able to um, sort of tackle something slowly in a way that's not um, going to overwhelm your family, overwhelm your finances, and um, slowly sort of introduce you to the investment. So that's a lot sort of along the lines of what we've done is, is really just focus on a lot of minor pivots. And that's been safe. We've made tons of mistakes. We've done all sorts of weird things, Chris, imported Land Rovers and airplanes. Uh, we had an airplane fuselage in my backyard for a while. So I've done some strange things like people would think are, are wild and sort of reckless, but they've either taken no time or not cost a lot of money. And for me, that just meant like, oh, it's an adventure. And if I fail, I fail. Um, but the best pivots I've made have been because I've been educated um, and and sort of aware of what I was doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, this has been a really great conversation. Uh, you've given so much um, advice and wisdom. Um, I know a lot of people will be interested in following you on social media, uh, contacting you, following you. How can they do that? Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So we have uh, my wife runs our Instagram channel. So we we travel four months of the year in our uh, Toyota Tacoma with a little camper um, with my two kids and a dog. So we travel um, uh, Overland Investor is our Instagram handle. So at Overland Investor. So you can kind of follow our journey there. And then if you're interested in with investing in us, we do offer fixed rate debt. 
for any investors that are interested in short-term offerings. And uh, you can get to us at uh, www.overlandinvestor.com. And for all the audience out there listening, um, all of the cases, resources will be in the links and show notes. And um, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe to his channel. And um, I'll do so as well. So thanks so much. And we look forward to hearing about your future success. That's a pleasure. Thank you, Chris. listening if you liked it be sure to like comment share subscribe we're on everywhere spotify itunes google amazon audible and without much ado be sure to thank this show's sponsors and we'll see you next week